I have had dozens of people, dozens of women come into my office saying, I, I, I don't know what to do. Our, our family is destroyed. The sins and the decisions of my husband are ruining our home. Ruining our home. And I don't know which way to turn now. I've had parents come in saying, my daughter or my son, they've chosen the path of drugs and it's ruining them. They are sold out to it. They have no idea why. Their flesh is hungering for it and we're going down. What do we do now? Fathers who have come in saying, anger. It's an issue with me. It's an issue in our home. It's an issue with our kids. I seem to be teaching it. My wife and I are reflecting it. How do we get it out? It's happening. You know, I've actually, two different times, helped walk a young man into the police station as he turned himself in for sexual sins that went awry, where he ended up hurting somebody deeply. Two different guys. The war is on. The cost is high. We're hurting. And our body is hurting. And it's time for a change. It's time for us to fight right. We're in the middle of a series where we're talking about how to battle the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I can tell you this. Victory is guaranteed if you want it. Victory is yours if you go about it the right way. Destruction is yours if you go about it the wrong. The gravity is huge. Today we're going to be talking about how to battle the world. As we split down the world, the flesh, and the devil, we're going to be talking about how to battle the world. Now before we do that, I want to make sure that we handle the first point on, the sli- or on our sheets here, which just says, understand the war. Understand the war. I got to tell you, I've, uh, I've spent a lot of time studying and reading over the last few weeks. I've spent time talking to the dif- different pastors on our staff as we've chatted through. How do we look at this? How do we view this? I didn't find a whole lot out there. If you can believe that. There's a lot on how to battle temptation in general. There's a lot on just general spiritual warfare. But when we start splitting it down into what we see in scripture of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and how each of those works together and what we need to be aware of, there's not a lot out there. So we developed this rocket science drawing. All right. So it's as simple as this, really. You see the three squares on the outside there? Those are solution boxes. We're going to fill those in over the next three weeks. The triangle and the square below it. That's what we're going to talk about right here. Understand the war, okay? So the first triangle, the world. This is one of those external forces that pushes on you and me. Anti-God views, anti-God things. It's the stuff of the world that's whispering to us all the time, the junk that's untrue. There is no God. There is no eternal being. Just do what feels good. It's all about you. Come on. There is no absolute truth. Whatever you think, the truth is within you. You hear all those whispers? Like that is the world's message through and through. It's me. It's what I want. It's what feels good. It just keeps driving towards anti-God 
stuff. Those views, those philosophies, that's from the world. And there's things of the world. Things that are born out of those philosophies that trip us up all the time. The easy one, right? Pornography. There's things in this world that are just, in and of themselves, wrong. Okay? And we need to be avoiding them. The world. The outside external pressure that pushes on us on a regular basis. It's kind of a general attack, if you will. Okay? So this external attack, Satan is in charge. He is the God of this world. He's in charge. And it's really, think of it this way. He went around and he planted a bunch of landmines everywhere. Welcome to the world. And so as you walk along, boom, a landmine goes off and you're going down. It's more of a general attack against you. Okay. And some would say, oh, Satan came, you know, that was, I was getting attacked spiritually. Well, kind of. But, but you know what? In general, it was maybe more of this landmine that was set to go off and you in and of yourself walked through it, got hit by it and went down. And we need to be careful about differentiating between the two. The world is that big general attack that's hitting a bunch of people and it happened to hit you at that moment and you went down. Okay. That's the world. Let's put the next one up. The devil. That's And this is really the plural form under it. So you notice I put anti-God beings. This is the devil and all of his minions working against you and me on a regular basis. This is the sniper attack. Okay. The world is kind of that general landmine attack. Satan is the sniper attack. I know exactly the weakness. I know exactly where this one falls. I'm sick of the success of this one. Hit him. Hit her. Take him down. It's the reaching out, maybe of the things of the world. Maybe it's just going to the weaknesses in your own flesh and simply just sniper attack. Bang. Very focused, very purposeful, driving you to uselessness. That's the goal. So Satan is all about that specific attack to you to render you useless. Okay. Those are the two external forces, Satan and his minions and the world. And the two tie together is this big external push against us, Satan in charge of all of it, okay? You're either getting hit with landmine attacks or sniper attacks on a regular basis. Welcome to the world, okay? That's kind of the look and feel of it from the outside. Okay, let's put up the last one. Flesh. This is what's inside of you, what's inside of me. This is those selfish imperfections, those things that are driven to just make me happy. And it's all about me. Thank you. Do you know what I'm saying? It's as we go through everyday life, we kind of get hooked on the, that just feels good. And I appreciate the feel good part of it. And so I'm going after it. The flesh. Okay. When we fall and every time we fall, the flesh gave up. The flesh was that moment of our weakness where we started listening to that weak whisper in us. And we said, you know what? I would really appreciate that gratification better. I'm just going to take it. And in, the, in gratifying the flesh, we go down to sin. So every time we sin, the devil made me do it is a joke. My flesh basically won the battle. And I listened to the whisper of myself. See, we don't like saying that. That takes a lot of blame on me. You know what I'm saying? The devil made me do it. That sounds a lot better. There's this external force. He's really big and he was pushing hard. And that's so he pushed me over. No, it doesn't happen. Our imperfections basically said, that sounds pretty good. I'll buy a little bit of that. And we go down the flesh. A lot of our battling sits in the flesh. 
probably the majority of our battling sits in the flesh. So as we look at these three, the world, the flesh, and the devil, can you see how there's kind of this triangle pushing down on and it came to a point in the flesh? That whole thing is the externals are pushing down on you and me and trying to find the imperfections, whether it be in a general hit like a landmine attack or a sniper hit, and see if they can't trip you and me in our weaknesses to just fall one more time. Welcome to the plan of Satan as he works with you and me. So just a little question for you before we get started here. Ice cream. Where does that fall? Is it, is it in the world or the flesh or the devil? Or, or maybe it's just a nice good thing. One thing I wanted to make really clear is not every single physical thing in the world is of the world in this, in this sense. Okay. So ice cream. While I won't be having any of it because I'm lactose intolerant and neither will Aaron, the two of us will go out for yogurt somewhere. The reality is ice cream is just kind of this nice benign thing. And yet somehow when you put that in front of certain people, they utterly collapse and they go into gluttony mode and they just go satisfying themselves until the point where they feel completely horrible about themselves. And what happened? Well, the flesh was tripped up. And that wasn't even a landmine attack or a sniper attack. It was just you, man. Okay. So let's be careful as we talk through these. Because honestly, the definition of the world became anything physical. There was a period of time in medieval history where that's where they came to. So guess what the answer is then? If you're going to avoid the world and you avoid everything physical, go to a mountaintop, be a monk, get away from everything. But we're missing something. How can we make disciples? How can we share our faith? How can we be growing and helping others grow if we're running away from everything physical? So our definitions here are utterly essential, okay? Things that are physical doesn't mean they're evil. Are they of God or are they absolutely against God in and of themselves? Is ice cream against God? Is it? Some of you are actually not answering. Is ice cream against God? It's not, right? It's just a thing. It's okay. Things in this world are okay. And when we trip on them, it's our own issue. Thank you. And then other things in this world are completely, obviously anti-God stuff. And those things we absolutely need to be staying away from no matter what. Does that make sense? So before we get started here in understanding the war, we got to make sure we grasp. There are three things. What are they? The world, the the world, the devil, and the flesh. Okay. That's the three things we're going to be battling. That's every single day of our lives, everywhere we go, every time we're living and every time we're taking a breath, these three things are always at work and we're struggling against them. So when we start to say, it's time for me to experience victory, what we're saying is, it's time for me to have a really good strategy for dealing with the world, the flesh and the devil. I'm going to go hard after the world, the flesh and the devil. And I want to make sure that God is lifted up as I push back on, as I properly handle the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so that's the order we're going to preach these in over the next three weeks. The world, the flesh, and the devil. We're going to talk about the world and what it is today and how we can handle it. And then we're going to talk about the flesh and how it gets pushed by things of the world. And that way we've got kind of this good boundaries. And then we're going to talk about the devil and how he uses both in order to get at us and what we need to do about it. Okay. Fight right. 
how to battle the world. That's where we're at today. All right? Okay. Our first step in fight right, it's armor up. Love our God with passion and fervor. Armor up. Love our God with passion and fervor. We're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 6 on this one. We went through Ephesians 6 back in March, so we're not going to spend as much time here, but there's a couple of things I really want us to pull out of this. Ephesians chapter 6. You've got to love the sound of the Bible rustling. Ephesians chapter 6. Yeah, thank you, Jamie, for continuing to rustle your Bible even when you're there. Yes, it's recorded for all of the people everywhere to hear now. So, All right, armor up. Love our God with passion and fervor. Ephesians chapter 6. We're coming out of the spiritual warfare segment, verses 10 through 17. And here's the deal. Paul is saying, yes, we are in spiritual war. And yes, we are wrestling. But it is not against human beings, each other. Stop thinking this is a unity thing that we're fighting. Just recognize this, that each time you're wrestling, you're wrestling against flesh and blood in yourself, but you're wrestling really against spiritual darkness. You do have a spiritual war going on, and that spiritual war is deep and heavy. What can you do about it? Well, actually, we have a God who's greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So here's the solution. How could we possibly know and relate to a God who is greater? What might that help? He says, armor up, and he goes through some things. Now, when I say spiritual armor, most of us probably imagine the the various pieces of armor, like a shield or, or those breastplates, you know, the big pieces of metal that went around the chest and protected the heart and lung area, or that sword or that helmet. We picture the physical elements as he used them metaphorically, and that's not bad. He's trying to help us have it stick in our head. But the problem is, all too quickly, we forget what the second part of it is. The breastplate of righteousness. And so let's walk through the ofs part of this and watch what he's actually describing. He says, first of all, in um, verse 14, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Okay? So first it's about God and God's truth, what's right and what's real. Grab onto what you know is absolutely right. Grab onto the very character and essence of God being revealed in this world. Grab onto, grab onto truth. truth, okay? That's first. Grab onto truth. Second, he says, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, you know, truth is things you know to be real. Righteousness is truth in action. I want you to know God's character and I want you to put it in action. That's what he's saying. Know his character and his facts and the things about him that are real and then start doing it. Start acting like him. Righteousness, okay? So now we're mirroring him. We know him and now we're mirroring him. We're looking like him. Breastplate of righteousness. And shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So now we have truth 
and we have peace and we have this truth and peace in action called righteousness. We are living as we know and experience God, truth and peace, and then acting out in righteousness, truth and peace and righteousness. And then he goes a step further here. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. So believe in him, count on him. When you know this is what's true, step out into that faith. It's leaning on him. Can you hear what he's describing? He's describing the walk of a passionate believer following after an almighty God. That's what he's describing. He's saying if you have a passionate walk, you've got armor. He's saying if you know who Christ is and if you're going after a life with him, I mean, I'm talking about know him, like you get his character, the truth. I'm talking about knowing him so much that it affects how you act, righteousness. I'm talking about knowing and acting so much that it begins to make this real sense to you of your salvation, peace. I'm talking about stepping out and trusting in it with all you've got as you lean on him, faith. Are you hearing it? It's this ready walk with our God. It's a passionate following of him. That's what the spiritual armor is. Let's keep going for a second. Shield of faith. With which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And we'll get to that in a few weeks. And take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of what? Salvation. Salvation. So we have this opportunity to celebrate a relationship with him, salvation. We have an opportunity to know him and trust in him, to ask for his shed blood, to forgive us of the sins that we are responsible for, to say, it is not about how I act and behave in earning it. That's simply a thank you offering back to you. It's about you and what you've done for me. And may I constantly celebrate that in my life. A helmet of salvation. Your head is protected by understanding that it really has nothing to do with you. Your head is protected by understanding that it has everything to do with him at work in your life, with his shed blood poured out for you, with his righteousness making you just as if you'd never sinned as far as a penalty goes. We have a chance to have something with him that we could never imagine, and it's by the helmet of salvation. And then he says, and the sword of the spirit, we get to actually have the Holy Spirit with us. We get to have the God of the universe at work in us, present in us, shaping us, convicting us, leading us and guiding us, taking his to his word, the word, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God having his word at work in our lives as we read, not just because we see magic black and white. That's not what it's about. It's because as we read the Holy Spirit whispering and communicating with you and me, that's something you need to know. Now that's an area we're going to be working on. What do you think about that at work in your life? It's time for us to step that part up. You're doing an awesome job there. Way to go with that. The Holy Spirit encouraging and convicting and lifting and raising. Can you see how the spiritual armor is nothing more than a description of a really active, passionate spiritual walk with our God? How in the world can I protect myself from Satan? He's so much bigger and just know who he is that is greater than him. That's it. 
How can I possibly walk a walk where I don't fall? Because you know the one who is all truth. And he is at work in your life, cleansing and purifying and raising you up to look more like him. Because you have a passionate walk with the one who spoke and the world came into existence. That's the authority you're in touch with. That's the authority at work in your life. God at work in you. Know him. Know him passionately. Truth. Know him so passionately that it starts to affect your actions. Righteousness. In the midst of having that, settle on the peace that comes through knowing the Almighty and being saved. And then trust in your faith and step out. Lean on him with all you've got. In the midst of this active relationship with him, you begin to reduce the number of areas where you have the Achilles open spot. You know what I'm talking about? The sniper attack hit becomes much more specific. It can only hit in narrow moments because you are so enwrapped in who the Almighty is in your life. Now that is spiritual armor. When we talk about how to defend against really any of these, this is the starting point. This passionate walk with him. We looked last week at Psalm 51. Prepare your hearts. Where did it start? Confess, cleanse, and commit to the Almighty. A relationship with him. And now armor up. Get that relationship solid, passionate, and running hard. That's what it's about. Preparing your heart and going hard after him. Welcome to the battle plan. Know him and know him well. How many times have we said, I can't believe I fell into that sin again, again and again and again I do that. How is your walk going at that moment? I would almost bet you money. In that moment, in that period of time, you were going ice cold. It was becoming all about you. You were getting very used to the me moments. You were getting very used to whatever drew attention to yourself and you were really enjoying it. And oops, we drifted pretty far away and made a nice wide open spot or maybe just started enticing the flesh to come alive again, and we went down. We have to be passionately pursuing him on a regular basis. The payoff is amazing. Words like joy, peace, a happiness that is circumstantial, independent. It's a relationship with him that lasts a lifetime, and he's constantly changing you in the midst of it so that you can experience more of his glory. That's where we get to start. A couple of practical steps here. Live a passionate faith. Maybe that's kind of a summary for it. Live a passionate faith. That's that whole spiritual armor being brought together. How do I do that? Go back to Ephesians chapter 6 and read through it line by line and go after those things. Live a passionate faith, okay? And then one more practical step here. Grasp God's view. Make sure that you're using the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and grasp God's view. What does he think about these things? What does he want done in these situations? What is he looking to accomplish? What is he like? What is his character? How can I go after him? Know your word. Grasp God's view. Those are two points that help us armor up. Passionate faith, knowing your word. You are armored up. Okay? Make sense? So those are two practical steps. Next thing. No idols. Do not love the world and do not be conformed to the world. No idols. Do not love the world. Do not be conformed to the world. 
We're going to go over to 1 John now. We're going to be working from 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Give you a chance to get there. John is challenging here with how should we be walking with him? What should our relationship look like? What things should it be having in it? And what should it not? And this is what he says in verses 15 through 17 of chapter 2, 1 John. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father, not in him. So let's just back up here. Do not love. Okay, what does the word love mean? Love. You know, to give priority to, to place preeminence on, to think, I want it lifted up more than me. Love. To say, I'm going to give of my time, talent, and treasure to that. I want to make sure that's a focus in my life. It's honored in my life. If you were to watch me act and watch me think and watch me talk, that or that person would be lifted up. Love. Sacrifice. Focus, preeminence, those are things that come with love. Do not love the world. Do not sacrifice to grab the things that are anti-God. Do not allow your time, talents, and treasures to go to the things that are offensive to his very character. Don't put focus in. Don't make preeminence of those things which are of this world. Things that are rejecting who God is. Make sure that your life is a life that honors God not the things that are against God. When someone looks at where you're acting, what you're thinking, the friends you have, the places you frequent, the things you talk about, what's shown off most? The world or God himself? Do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. You know, he goes one step further well, let me just say this first. The world, maybe a good phrase for the world is, everything that teaches me, it's all about me. It's all about me. That's the world. It's all about me. If it makes me think more about me and be happy with me and me, 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 then, then we're good. Welcome to the world. Okay? So don't love the world, neither the things that are in the world. Well, let's get some better definition of that all about me. He says, for all that is in the world, here we go, the desires of the flesh... The desires of the eyes and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. The desires of the flesh, you know, what makes me feel good? Desires, another word for it is lusts in some of the scriptures you have. Those things that make us hunger and want for it, even though it's outside the realm of God honoring. Those things that are the shortcut to feel good. That's the lust of the flesh or the desires of the flesh. It's when my body and the pangs of my body are spoken to in a way where my body says, hey, we'd be kind of happy about that. Let's go after that. Welcome to the desires of the flesh. It could be anything that ends up making the body be more aware and feeling good of the body. We can be so passionate about just comfort. I just love laying around and relaxing and doing nothing. And it becomes laziness. But it's really about feel good. It's about the relax. Don't want to work hard. It could be pangs like the sexual hungers. Does that mean that sex is all wrong? No, but in the right confines is the only time it's right. Taking it out of the context of marriage, taking it to a context where it's, I just want the feel good feelings and I want them now. 
That's the mistake. God-given, people abused. Hunger. Eating is not a bad thing. It's really highly recommended. But be careful how you do it. Be careful when and how much and where. We can let the hunger pangs of life really become self-serving. And it becomes all about that feel-good, feel-full stomach. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, I just had a Cadoba thing and I'm feeling awesome. Do you know what I mean? We just went to Cadoba yesterday. Are those like four-pound burritos or what? <laughs> Huge. It's amazing. When they hand it to you, you're like, that's all going in my stomach. You know what I mean? It's amazing what we eat, and then three hours later, we're thinking, it's dinner time. We should eat again. And then we should eat again, and we should eat again. And we just start eating so much that we're really not watching in balance, in health, in anything. It just becomes make the stomach feel good. That's the desires of the flesh. Going after feel good. The other thing, he says, the desire of the eyes. You know, what looks good. Those things that look good on the outside. The world teaches us all over the place. It's all about the superficial. Let's make sure that you understand that those that are the prettiest are the ones that are best to be around. Welcome to the world's message. I mean, how many of us are doing that? Be very careful. The body of Christ is not to be aware of that physical external to the level where we're going and hanging out only with the pretty people and we're trying to avoid those we would deem not pretty people. Do you understand? It means nothing. It's about loving those around us and caring for those around us. But the world whispers all about the beauty. God does create beautiful things. And it's okay to recognize beauty. Just be careful that it doesn't become a lust. A hunger that drives you off to where all you care about is what looks good physically. That external needs to be all perfect or forget it. Be very careful with it. The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. And then the last one is the pride in possessions. Some of you say the pride of life. This whole idea that what I own and what I accomplish and what titles I carry and what I dress like and all that stuff makes me more important. It shows me off. So what looks good, what feels good, and what shows me off. Welcome to the world. Okay? So when you look at the advertisements that come on, just label them next time. As the, as the ad is running through while you're watching a football game or whatever, you know, you're watching the Bears game and you can't figure out why you're watching it. So start watching the commercials. Hey, I hope they win today too, but just keep watch the commercials. And in the midst of it, just say, is it a feel good, look good, or show me off? Which is it? Maybe it's all three. Maybe I get to look good and show myself off all at the same time. You know what I mean? That's the world. That's what it's all about. Those three things constantly impeding upon us, constantly saying, it's okay. It's okay for you to be all about your own feelings. It's okay for you to be all about the pretty. It's okay for you to be all about what shows you off. Lift yourself up, man. You deserve it. Watch out for those lies and label them quickly. And I'm telling you, the faster you get at labeling them, the quicker you're going to be at avoiding them. As you hear a truth, label it. It works pretty well. You'd be amazed how fast you can go, now that's a pride of life thing. And then you go, I'm really not going to buy into that gig. I'm stepping away. Watch for the world's stuff coming out. Watch for it coming out in all ways, shapes, and forms. Here's a few things to notice just right at the end. Verse 17. The world is passing away along with its desires. Please recognize they're temporal. These are moments in time and they're fleeting at best. Why grab onto it? 
Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Join in an eternal relationship with the Almighty. Join into a relationship that allows us to walk with Him, to talk with Him, and to hear from Him, to be changed by Him and shaped by Him, to be moved by Him, to be passionately seeking Him in a way that makes an impact in us for all eternity. And you will never be dissatisfied. And you'll also find as you look back that there seems to be a lot less sin going on in my life. It's the side effect of hanging out with the Almighty. You know how they say you kind of look like who you hang out with? That's what's going to happen. Start hanging with the Almighty, you're going to start looking like the Almighty. You know, in Africa, in order to capture monkeys, what they would do is they would go up to a wall, this like wall of rock, and they would cut a hole in it just big enough for them to slip their hand into. And inside they would hollow it out And they would take a banana and they would slide the banana in there and then turn it upright. And so the monkey would come up and he would slide his hand into the hole and then reach out and grab the banana and then go to pull it out. And the hole was too small for the fist to come out. And those monkeys literally would stand there against that wall, screaming and pulling and pushing, stuck. All they have to do is let go. And they could pull out. And these guys could come up and just wrap their legs wrap their feet, put them inside of some cage or whatever, and then squeeze and make them let go, pull, and the monkey's free. That's how they were getting them and taking them to zoos and whatnot. Real story. Do you realize that we're basically as dumb as those monkeys? (laughs) We reach out and we grab onto something in this world that offers us nothing but a fleeting moment of gratification like a banana. We grab on with everything we have and we're stuck. And we stand there screaming, we're totally dissatisfied, but we're not letting go. Do you know what I'm saying? My question is, what's your banana? What are you grabbing onto? Because you and I are grabbing onto stuff each and every day of our lives, and it's taken us down. It's time to let go, pull the hand out, and free up. It's time to put some healthy things in place around us that allow us to experience victory. I wrote two things down for practical application here. And point number two there for no idols. First of all, we're going to need to build healthy fence lines, you know, like avoid some of those bananas. Do you know what I'm talking about? We're going to have to walk separated from them. We're going to have to stay away from some healthy fence lines in your life. There's some things you just should not be around. Build the fence lines, put them up. Moral fence lines are very wise. Like what? Things that you need to watch out for in your life. For example, you need to be careful. You might have a weak spot in one area and not another. You might have to have a broader fence line. Okay. I was talking to a friend a couple years ago. I said, Hey, why don't we go watch the Super Bowl? We can go over to pockets. It was a, a pool place. He said, dude, that's a bar. I can't go there. I'm an alcoholic. I said, I didn't even know. He said, that's because I put healthy fence lines up. It's been 10 years. I said, no problem. Let's go to somebody's house then. Like, I'm respecting his fence line. Your fence line's wider than mine. We're done. Your fence line's respected. Let's get out of here. That's what it's about. Build the fence line. This is where we fail quite often. Our fence line is pathetic. It's this little white picket fence that's like six inches high and it's about two feet wide. Welcome to my fence line. It's like, come on, man, make a real fence line. You're putting yourself at risk. That's not keeping anything out. Figure out what's going to make you trip and put them up. All of us have those open issues, whether it be sexuality, money issues, 
temptations with the tongue, you've got to put yourself in the right spots. Watch out for gossip. People can make you hunger for more info. Get away from that stuff. I'm dead to that. I don't want to hear that. Step away from it, okay? Put up the healthy fence lines. And then the second part is not only do you need the healthy fence lines, but you've got to choose really smart paths as you walk. You've got to make sure you decide where you're going to be and where you're not going to be, who you're going to hang with and who you're not going to hang with. Healthy fence lines, choosing smart paths. It keeps you from reaching out and grabbing onto that banana and holding on with all you got, stuck for life. Can't figure out why this habit sin has got me going the wrong way. Just let go, pull out, and start respecting the fence lines and choosing smart paths, okay? Now we put it back up there again, just so you can see we've got a solution in place, right? We talked about the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is that external pushing in on you. That world is whispering to you, come on, it's about feeling good. I can make you feel good. And you're like, that would feel pretty good. Do you want to feel good? Is this a feel good cell? Because then I'm out. You got to hear it. The feel good, the look good, the show myself off. You're going to have to be separating from it. And how do we do it? Live a passionate faith with him. Know him deeply. Live for him powerfully. That has got to be the starting point. Otherwise, you're just muscling it. You're just trying yourself. And I'm telling you, sooner or later, it's going to fall. You got to have the passionate faith going. Grasp God's view of scripture. Read through it. Know what he wants. Know how he's leading you. It's going to give you the understanding of where to put fence lines, what's going on, what you're mischoosing on. And then build the healthy fence lines and choose smart paths. How do we go after the world? That's a four-stepper. Now, here's the secret. Each of you is going to have to make a little more detail out of that. What does it mean to build a healthy fence line? You're going to have to decide where you're falling and start pushing some things out in those areas and not letting them in. Choosing smart paths. What's making you fall? I mean, I can tell you right now, somebody comes up and lays a thing of cocaine, put in perfect lines in front of me, and like it's not a temptation to me at all. I have zero issue to that. I set it aside and I go, dude, what are you doing? Like That's not an issue for me. But I'm telling you, there are others where that's an issue. And you need to be figuring out how to run. And I mean run fast to get out of there. So build the healthy fence lines. Figure out for yourself what the issues are. All of us have our weak spots. All of us have our struggles. I'm telling you this. You can experience the joy of victory. You can experience the power of him at work in your life. You can experience God Almighty whispering to you and working with you and shepherding you as you take steps to avoid the junk and the noise of this world that keeps teaching me it's all about me and we end up turning and finding it's really all about him. And praise God, it is so worth it. He is stronger. He is more powerful. He is more mighty and he is more caring. And he is simply here to lift you up. Are you ready to succeed? He is here to raise you up. Are you ready to experience the victory? It's time. It's time to say, I want that. Over these next three weeks, I want to know what it is to experience victory with him like I've never experienced before. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? It's time. It's time to get it in our lives like never before. We've got a hunger, not for the momentary gratification, but for knowing the eternal almighty God. We've got a hunger for letting go of that stupid banana. That's what it's about. Every time this week you're starting to fall, go, there's that dumb banana. Okay, just do that for me. Let go, pull out, start creating fence lines and start thinking, God, I want to walk with you more passionately than ever 
before. He is stronger. He is our source of victory. Know him, know him personally, know him passionately, and you will not be dissatisfied. Let's pray.